The text of the sermon this day is taken from the reading from Romans, uh, specifically these words. Likewise, the Spirit helps us in our weakness, for we do not know what to pray for as we ought, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us with groaning too deep for words. And he who searches hearts knows what is the mind of the Spirit, because the Spirit intercedes for the saints according to the will of God. That is the text. Grace, peace, and mercy to you from God our Father, our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. So the summer of 2012, I was working at Methodist Hospital in Des Moines. I was working as a chaplain intern. The program that I was doing was clinical pastoral education. The point was that part, basically what a pastor does, or a training pastor, is half the day they're spending in class, the other half they're spending visiting patients. And the other thing that we sometimes would get is we'd get the pager, which meant we were on call. That meant if anybody coded, if anybody came into the emergency department, we had to come. And that first night is extremely nerve-wracking. You're like, oh, please don't be anything horrible that I devastating, because you're worried about the worst possible scenario, and you're like, I don't know what to say, I'm still learning this thing. But one of the nights that I was on call, I got a page. And it was for a girl who was about 12, about 12 years old. She had, got, she had had an accident while she was at a church event. And so I went down, into the, went down to the emergency room and spent a little bit of time with the family until their pastor arrived. And ended up being one of those cases where they had to bring her in, but she was probably okay. But while I was down there, I, ran, I came across another situation, because this sometimes happens. You're down there for one thing, and they're like, hey, chaplain, can you come over here? And so we had a situation of a 17-year-old girl who was in the hospital, and she was somebody, apparently what was happening was she was working out, and she just passed out. And she was brought into the hospital, and they found that there were some things going on with inside of her brain. And so, as a, past, as a studying pastor, I, was, I came there, and the thing that came into the back of my mind, and by the way, this is one of the things that CPE does, is it's trying to work, get you to work through your own junk, because your own junk is going to come into the background whenever you're visiting anyone. And so, for me, only about a year, a little over a year earlier, my, my stepmom's dad, my, so my step-grandfather, had died with a very similar situation. Granted, he was older and he had medications that kind of caused that, that complicated that. But that wasn't going through my mind. My mind was just hearing the exact same words, and I was stuck. What do I say to a seven, to parents of a 17-year-old girl? Because I'm worried. I'm thinking that the worst has happened. Now, granted, I was, you know, it turned out she was okay, and she actually recovered well. She did have to have her head shaved and for a surgery, but otherwise she recovered pretty well. But the thing is, is I could not think of what to say. I could not think of the right words. I was tongue-tied. 
which I believe was one of those teaching moments. That's kind of the purpose of it. And fortunately, there were other chaplains that would be visiting her throughout the week, and that's why we do those type of CPE things, is some of it is learning. What do you say when you have those moments? When the devastating moments happen in people's lives, what do you say? Friday night, I went to a movie. So I went to the movie theater down in Denison. They had four movies going. Now, two of the movies, it's, one movie was Mission Impossible, which is just action movie, enjoy, you know, et cetera, et cetera. Then you have Barbie, which is Barbie, and I did not go to it. Um, I know a lot of people like cosplaying for it, but anyways. But the two movies on the other side of the theater were just kind of heavy. The one that I went to was Oppenheimer, which is, it's a biopic, and it is rated R for a reason, so don't bring your young children to it. But the whole story is a John Oppenheimer the man who invented the atomic bomb. And the absolute moral dilemma he has having built that bomb. For one, he's having the, first he has the dilemma, should we go through with this? Should this be dropped on Japan? This was a debate that we still have to this day. Should we have invaded or should we have dropped the bomb? And nobody has, there's no good answer. And you really think about it is no matter the answer, it requires the loss of many lives. And it's really hard to think of. And you think of the whole subject of World War II, you think of the things that happened. Imagine when you hear the news of Pearl Harbor. Imagine when you hear what happened in the Holocaust at the concentration camps. What words do you give? What words do you give when you realize that humanity has built a bomb that can take out as many lives as it does. What words can you give to such a thought? And of course, the main thing of the movie, and I'm not giving away anything, it's in the trailer, is his struggle is, did he give humanity the tools to destroy itself? Sobering thought. And see, this was, I don't know if you've ever heard the term postmodernism and modernism and all that. The whole promise of modernism was that science was to save us. Put your hope in science and technology. And that is what much of the 20th century was, was the promise of progress. And they thought, look at it, we have new medical, we have medicine, we have technology, we have all these things to make life more efficient, to save lives. The thing that totally ruined that thought was, in fact, World War II, when that exact same technology was used to kill millions of people. What do you say to that reality? The movie, the movie right next to Oppenheimer was also not a movie that is uplifting, but very sobering. That is Sound of Freedom, movie about human trafficking. Now, I saw it a week earlier. And human trafficking, a very real evil in this country, in this world. And before you think that, oh, that's just an issue for people in distant lands, or that's just an issue for the 
the, the elites of this country, I remind this to people, do any of you know where the first prosecuted trafficking case is for the state of Iowa? Denison, at the strip club. The 15, 15 and 17-year-old strippers from Nebraska. Do you think anybody from Ida County goes to that strip club and supports it? That just got really close, didn't it? What do you say to that reality? What do you say to all the evils and the suffering in this world? You read in Romans 8 that creation, that creation was subjected to futility, not willingly, but because of him who subjected it in freedom. That the creation itself, so creation itself is suffering from, sin, from the fall of sin, suffering from the brokenness of the world, suffering from what our very first parents brought to the world. No, even creation. That's why as I've been, this last week, a number of the people that I've talked to have had to put down pets. Yes, even putting down a dog, the reality that even those dear animals that are so important to a person's lives, so influential one day, we outlive them typically. All of creation has been subjected to the fallenness of the world. What words do you give to it? Romans 8 gives us hope. Begins with, I, for I consider that the, so verse 18, I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worth comparing with the glory that is to be revealed to us. Did you hear that? It's not worth comparing. Well, we got to step backwards. Why? Because God became human flesh in the person of Jesus Christ. He suffered incredible forms of torment to be killed, executed on a cross, and then on the third day he rose from the dead. When he died on the cross, Jesus, who had no sin, never sinned in thought, word, and deed, became sin for you. And by his death, because he became sin for you, you became the righteousness of God. So when he died on the cross, he took the sin of the entire world, every single sin that has ever been committed or ever will be committed, and when he was crucified, when he died, it died with him. And when he rose on that Easter's morning, sin did not rise with him. So because he defeated sin, Sin, the very cause of death, he defeated death as well. He defeated the devil. And so therefore the sufferings of this present time, the consequence of sin, are not worth comparing with the glory that is to be revealed to us. So think of the depths of sorrow that you've had, the depths of grief you've experienced in life. No matter how deep those sorrows may be, no matter how deep those griefs may be, they are not worth comparing with the glory that is going to come. Which means the glory that you are to see, the joys, the extravagance that you're going to experience, it's to such a degree that you'll look at the sufferings of this world and say, you know what? 
That was rough, but now I see where it went. Because remember, God works for the good of all those he has chosen. Yes, we're going to have to go through suffering, and it may even, we even have to go through the grave to arrive at this glory. But indeed, it has been prepared. And yes, all of creation. I say that because, and I mentioned pets, yes, you will see animals at the resurrection. Because note, it didn't say all of humans. It said all of creation. That includes animals. There will be animals in heaven. Well, it's just in the resurrection. All of it will be restored. All of it is restored by the victory of Jesus over death and the grave. But he doesn't leave us alone until then. He doesn't say, well, all right, this is what's going to happen, but you need to just kind of suck it up until then, and hopefully you make it to the end. No, he gives you a wonderful tool. He gives you a wonderful instrument by which you can communicate with him. This instrument, of course, is prayer. When you're in the midst of that sorrow, when you just cannot think of the words to say, he fills it for you. And when you pray to God, I think sometimes we get this idea that our prayers have to be beautiful poetry. And of course, it has to be in Old English, like, Dearest Taoist Lord, Willis Taoist, you don't have to pray that way. If you really feel compelled to do so, go ahead. But, and if that's how you talk, that's interesting. But, pray to God the way you talk to a good friend. And guess what? It is okay to unload on God and just express like everything that's going on. It's okay to get angry with him. He already knows you are. He already knows your thoughts. And so it's okay to unload that. He can take it. He can, he can keep, hold it. And in that prayer, he gives you relief. He hears your prayer, and he gives you relief. And if you ever need guidance in your prayer, of course, the Bible. If you ever want a really good book on how to, learning how to pray effectively, go get Luther's Simple Way to Pray. It's like a really thin, really thin packet that CPA produced. But yes, Go to him. But sometimes you watch events, so maybe like if you were living during the time of Pearl Harbor, or perhaps you're like, like me in the first year of college, and it's September, Tuesday, September 11th, and the two towers come down, and you just can't come up with the words. Or you hear that there's been another shooting at a school or, or wherever. You just don't have words. There's a three-word three prayer that you've heard, said it many times through whenever you come together for worship. Anybody, any guesses what it is? Lord, have mercy. A phrase straight from the scriptures. Whenever you cannot come up with the words, you see something that is so tragic, whether it's naturally or something that's happening in your life, this wondrous prayer, you can just say, Lord, have mercy. 
And he who searches hearts knows what is the mind of the Spirit, because the Spirit intercedes for the saints according to the will of God. So yes, the Spirit, the Holy Spirit, he knows what you are praying. He reads your heart. He knows what's going on. And even in those simple words, he knows it's a cry for mercy, a cry that he would hear you. And he knows what you're asking. Don't be afraid of those moments that you don't know. Just say, Lord, have mercy. Or if you want to go Latin, you could go, Kyrie Iliesum. That's, that's what, every time you hear them, the liturgy, by the way, Lord, have mercy, Christ, have mercy, Lord, have mercy. Does that sound familiar? Every time you're praying it, you're praying for the deepest longings of your heart, the words that you do, the prayers that you don't have words to say. Amazing what just three quick phrases are saying. But here's where it gets one last little bit here. The last phrase, according to the will of God, it's actually a phrase that comes in the Lord's Prayer. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. That prayer is not easy. And the way, as a pastor, we experience this one. So it may be that we come to a person who maybe they just had a heart attack or something of that nature. And it's at a point where they may, maybe they'll, be, they'll survive, maybe not. It's kind of up in the air. And so the pastor is to pray, praise, Lord, if it be in accordance with your will, bring this person to good health. And so some people will say, well, that just doesn't, that's not much faith. You can't pray that. No, it actually takes extraordinary. And it's one that I can't always bring myself to pray because sometimes I don't have enough faith. Because when you pray that prayer, you're saying, one, is that you believe that God can make this person better. Two, he might not do it. And three, that that will be what is best for them. You're trusting in God's power and you're trusting in his because he knows far more than you do. Because no matter what your prayer is, whenever you pray to him and you come to him and he hears your prayer, he answers, he listens, and know that no matter what the answer may be, even if it's something you don't like right now, it will be for your good. Because remember, he who did not spare his own son but gave him up for us all. So in other words, by the death of Jesus on the cross, the only man in the history of the world to have no sin, the only person in the history of the world to be truly good was executed as the worst of murderers. And by his death, you have life. You have salvation. That is the one to whom you pray. And if he could bring the greatest good in the history of the world out of such evil, he will bring good out of any trouble that you may go through. To him be all glory. In Jesus' name.
The grace, peace, and mercy of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, keep you in the one true faith, the life everlasting. Amen.